Hey everybody, it's Griff here with another episode of the HLP. Guys, I know we've kind of gone off the rails for book four, but I hope you guys are enjoying this arc in Abaddon because I'm really excited to include some homebrew into an adventure path. It's one of my favorite things to do. If you've listened to the evil interlude that just came out, um, I think it stands for itself as a testament to how much I really enjoy homebrew elements in these games. I'm glad we have the kind of group that decides they want to do something like plane hopping instead of abandoning their party member. And I can't wait to take you guys on this trip with me. I'm thinking it up as we speak. Uh, there's so many fun things in store for this little arc here. So without further ado, here's episode 117, Lop, Sock, and Barrel. that go boom, then buckle up, listener, because this one's for you. Prepare yourself for the Hideous Laughter Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Hideous Laughter Podcast, episode 117. That's a lot of episodes. I just want to put that out there. I believe 117 is the halo number. Yeah. What? Yeah. Spartan 117. It's a big halo thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All of the characters are soon to have halos around their heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Maybe they'll just get trapped here in Abaddon. Do you guys ever wonder if like shifting to another plane is where is our jumping the shark moment? It is. <laughs> is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just want to get Pretty that out clear. there. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Okay. I'm, gl I'm glad for all the votes of confidence. Um, <laughs> Haley, what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking a Rosé the Riveter. It's a hibiscus and rose hips mead from um, the Colony Meadery. That's quite the play on words. I like it. Tab stuck. Oh, thank you. Uh, coming to the rescue, as always. What are you drinking, Emily? I have a Sour Me Strawberry Rhubarb Pie Sour Ale from Duclaw Brewing. I was so excited when I saw this in the grocery store. I knew I had to have it. It's quite good. I can't say I taste strawberry rhubarb pie, but it's a very nice light sour. Not unhappy. Speaking of someone that uh, doesn't taste anything like rhubarb, hey, Brooks, what are you drinking? Thanks. Uh, I've been told I taste like many things, but I would agree. Strawberry rhubarb pie is not one of those. I am drinking the uh, weeks-old handle of wine that I brought over a while back. Uh, because that's how you get a handle on life is you start drinking from the handle. So, yeah. Except I'm doing. unlike a handle of liquor, it 
does not have a handle on it. No, but volume wise, half so. gallon. That's usually what it's called if it doesn't have a handle on it. That's why uh, Jaeger bottles that are that size actually are called half gallons. Oh, I've been called. Bigger. Hmm. Never mind. I'm not going to use Magnums in any way. So. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, you don't deserve Magnums. Well, you might as well be using a trash bag at that point, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of somebody who has never had that thought. Uh, hey, it's me, Griff. I'm drinking a uh, Forest Fortress Imperial Pastry Sout with coconut, hazelnut, coffee, vanilla beans, and cocoa nibs. Uh, which sounds better than this conversation. Oh, it's wonderful. Steve, you got the Patreon beverage, and I don't I, do. I don't think there's ever been a beverage that's been more like the person who's drinking it. Than, that's uh, true. Than we've ever had. So this one's called the Bitter End. It is an entire beer. Um, it's supposed to be a Stiegel. Uh, that is a uh, a grapefruit rattler, but they don't sell those around here. So I grabbed a Brewdog Elvis juice because that's a grapefruit beer, at least. Um, there's three ounces, uh, an entire beer, by the way, three ounces of grapefruit juice in addition to that and three ounces of the secret sauce. You guessed it. It's Malort. Um, I haven't tried this yet, so I'll let you know how it goes. Nice drinking vessel you got there. That's right. For the folks at home, he's drinking it out of a large pickle jar. A Costco-sized pickle jar. <laughs> How is it? The look on your face says a lot, but the listeners can't see that. Wow. Wow, guys. You really, really got me this week. When last week I said, fuck my shit up. Okay, I gotta try it. <laughs> I you gotta sure try it did. <laughs> so, uh... Let me know when you need a Tums break. We've got some downstairs. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm assuming all that grapefruit, you might need it. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's just grapefruit. That's like that's like biting into a grapefruit. I will say three ounces of Malort is quite a bit. So, uh... <laughs> I think any kind of, like, stinger... I'm, I'm not getting as much gasoline out of that. No, but it's just... You know it's there, though. Yeah, you can definitely, definitely tell it's there. there. All right, well, that's what I'm doing today. Well, I don't think we have to roll off, right? Because is Brooks the last one? I believe it is, yeah. Yeah, buddy. And and like a normal person, Brooks will probably not say, fuck my shit up. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's don't, so weird. Don't do that. So weird. I, I just love the discussion in the Discord. Um Someone brought up, does does it, do we hate Steve or love him if we vote for Malort drinks? There's a lot of confusion there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand that. Uh, it's confused. The relationship I have with Malort is confusing as well. It can't be defined by just simple words like love or hate. Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so when last we found our heroes, the triad of Herbert, Matumbe, and Freya shifted planes to Abaddon to rescue their friend Eclipse, who has been shifted there. Unfortunately, upon their arrival, they were beset on all sides by daemons 
And something very unfortunate happened to Freya, who was infected by not one, not two, but five fucking diseases. (laughs) You're really gross. And thus gained the plagued corruption. So... Most importantly, shifted her alignment. Yes. That was not not great. So the plague corruption shifted Freya's alignment one step towards evil, thereby rendering her cleric powers uh, null and void. The party was captured. Mercy was shown. But their fate now may not be much better. They met a powerful daemon named Lopscop, the Bemused, and another person, an elf named Tulia, who, uh, well, whose relationship to Lopscop is kind of unclear. Is she a slave, a friend? Your characters don't really know. But you do know that you're going to be working with her as a part of a team in a tournament of some sort. And that's where we find ourselves, our heroes being healed up from the battle in which they were captured in kind of these, especially for a servant or slave, these very lavish accommodations. Can we take a minute up top and just uh, talk about some of the changes that Freya went through, like mechanically? Yeah. Freya, do you want to... Or Emily, do you want to talk Freya? Yeah, I can explain a little bit about what's going on in Freya's mind. Because she is already not feeling great with the all of the diseases and her new corruption. So with her change of alignment, Erastel is no longer able to give her any divine powers. So she's lost her connection to him and also the connection she had been building with Desna because also cannot be true neutral as a follower a cleric of Desna the exact worst alignment shift yes not not good for someone who follows good deities but there is an option for uh ex-clerics, for those that continue to pray and the prayers go unanswered by their deity, they can be answered by some other entity. You don't really know who or what is giving you the powers, but you can become a channeler of the unknown. So it really affects how Freya will be played in addition to just her change of alignment. So she has a a new domain, which she now has uh, the luck domain. So you'll be seeing some new spells from her. And she loses some of her uh, blessings and feats due to not being a follower of Arastal anymore. She's also not able to be as helpful as she once was because her channel positive energy no longer works. She channels twisted void energy that can only harm. The cool thing is it can harm both living and undead creatures. 
but she can no longer heal and can no longer give everyone a bit of luck. So that's a bummer. Uh, so you traded luck for luck. Yeah, just uh, just gained the new domain, but but lost that really cool, really cool buff. I absolutely adore the like whole background here, though. You're still praying, and something is is answering, which is also terrifying. I trust Griffin to not abuse that. <laughs> yeah. Um, in addition to those abilities. Since you took the luck domain, it's twisted fate. You had the powers of fate before, and they came from a good place before. You're not sure where they come from now, but your fate channeling still works, just not how you remember it. Hmm. Okay. You may choose one role for any creature you harm that I have to roll misfortune on. That's going to come in handy. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That would be good, yeah. And I guess th this is also a question for Griffin. Does she currently know that her channel is no longer channel positive? Like right off the bat, I think we. Or she have to try it. I think we covered that. I think we yeah. covered that last time. Once yeah, yeah. she once she got the corruption, you guys still had combat, and I think the channeling wasn't working. And she had like actual chaos come out of her hands, yes. which was yeah. incredible. Got it. Got it. Yeah, she's like all out of sorts. Her one of her big connections to Arastel was her her longbow, and. Uh, I won't get too into it, but if like she's kind of you know cleaning it or putting it away, it just looks really awkward in her hands now. Like she just, it, it's just cumbersome, and she can't can't hold it properly. So I, I want to get into the the characters' heads a little bit now, with all of these big changes, and honestly, this party looks nothing like the party of five episodes ago. What are your characters doing? What are they thinking as they're kind of preparing mentally for this tournament tomorrow, This the tournament to begin? All right, I can go first. It's real bittersweet to no longer have to fight evil by himself or that was, I guess, intentionally not explained to its fullest uh, as far as why and how exactly that came to be. But he is happy to be with a party that can have his back as far as he knows. But at the same time, like, he did not have to travel to a new plane to ever before and so this has to work out otherwise like this was completely worthless and yeah this group of people saved his life just to kill him two yeah, weeks later exactly. you know what I mean this sounds to me very much like somebody that's trying to find religion 
finds it, finds organized religion, and then realizes a little too late that they're in like a cult. <laughs> like, hear me out on this one. Like, I, I think there, there's a, a direct parallel there where it's like these people sound like they have the same goals in mind, and then you realize, wait a second, I've gone a little too far, but no, 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 I can't be wrong because it feels kind of right, but now you're on another plane of existence and like fighting for your life in a death tournament. Oh, yeah. So that's right. That's where he's at. Bittersweet, loves a party, to be with a party, but uh, is on a different plane. <laughs> How about Matumbe? What's what's he up to? What's he thinking? I don't want to dive into Matumbe's thoughts. I think I'd, I'd rather keep that hidden for now. Um, but what he is doing before bed is sitting on the edge. Do we have? I'm assuming we've got like a cot or something. Yeah, you have you have like feather beds. Oh, we oh, have sweet. nice beds. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like it's For nice. Aco- it's nice accommodation. No, no, this is nice. Yeah. All right. I mean, it it would be like if you were staying in a, um, in an inn or something that had these kind of accommodations, it'd be like gold per night, like several Damn. gold per night. It's, Damn. I mean, it, it's clearly clearly the intent is to keep you comfortable, but you can always see at the very entrance of this kind of compound the bars. Yeah, if I remember correctly, Griffin even said everyone has their own private bathroom and bed. Like, very cushy. Legitimately, probably the highest level of opulence Matumbe has seen in his entire life. Um, but he's sitting at the foot of his bed with the uh, with the battle axe across his knees, and he pulls out a whetstone from his pack and is just slowly sharpening it as he sings under his breath a... Um, a lullaby in polyglot. Wow. As soon as Ikmer leaves, uh, Matumbe sharpening his weapon. <laughs> you know it. Someone's got to carry the torch. I like that. Um, what about Tulia? We don't really know much about this character. She's just been introduced to people she's supposed to work with. Yeah, so, I mean, realistically, Tulia is... I mean, she knows this area. She's kind of comfortable. But tomorrow's a big day, ultimately. Um, She's been in a lot of these types of tournaments before throughout the years, but she's never been in one hosted by Lopsop. She's always just seen it. So she's a little nervous, but she doesn't want to let that show. So instead, she's going to start... uh, Like, she's going to take off her glasses and she's going to just, you know, double check that everything is working correctly. And she's going to take off her gloves, check that they're working, put them back on. And again, just kind of fiddle with a lot of her um, gear that you see and make sure that everything is in, like, top quality shape. As well as take out a notebook and just start writing down possible combinations of what she thinks could be there tomorrow. So that's kind of where her headspace is. She's a little excited but also nervous and she's banking on a lot here so for her she's she's really just wants to make sure it's going right so she's starting to think about a plan how about Freya (laughs) Freya's feeling very well lost in general, both uh, due to the fact that we're on a completely new plane, but also very spiritually lost as well. 
even though it's not her like standard time for prayer, she's been praying and pleading with Erastel for an opportunity to prove her worthiness and show that this plane has not uh, polluted her to a point that she can no longer uh, spread his word. And the the power that she is feeling is very foreign to her, where Erastel was very orderly and good in the divine power he gave her. The power that she has now is almost like sickly sweet and tempting. It opens up the opportunity for her to cast powerful but evil spells now that she normally wouldn't have been able to cast or even consider. Uh, But she is kind of thinking to herself as she's preparing for the night that she has to accept whatever entity uh, that's giving her power. She has to accept that if she's going to make it out of here alive. And she just needs to maintain her discipline and atone for the faults that she's gained for the chance of Arastal taking her back. And Freya is at some point fiddling with her bow, fiddling with her holy symbol, and looking distressed. Something's off. And I think that gives the rest of the party enough insight to at least recognize she may not be able to, you know, pull through tomorrow when you need her. Before going to bed, uh, as everyone's kind of calming down for the night, Freya would actually uh, try to find Tulia to ask a few questions about the tournament. All right. I mean, she'd be sitting on her bed again, probably making some notes in her notebook. I'm not going to lie. I'm feeling a little lost here. Can I ask you a few questions? I can't guarantee I always got the answers, but sure. She holds up her longbow kind of awkwardly. I used to have a lot of skill with my bow. My abilities mostly came from my deity. I'm afraid I've lost my connection. Do they ever give out any new weapons to combatants? Well, it changes every year. But a lot of times, there's stuff all over the place. Sometimes they make you fight for it. Sometimes it's just given. It's hard to say, but probably something. There's a piece of me that's missing now. I've been getting some new abilities. But the connection isn't quite there yet. I think I'll know when I see it. I'll put up a fight if I need to to get the right weapon. I think we might be able to ask Lopsop too. Maybe what? Maybe some insight. I mean, he's always been pretty nice, but... He's usually pretty, uh, pretty gone by now. Maybe I can ask him in the morning then. I think we'll need something mighty powerful to make it through. Well, I'll try to help. I appreciate that. And uh, Freya will uh, head on back to her bed 
to sleep and start thinking about what will maybe be a draw for her, what kind of weapon she might feel connection with. Is there anything else you guys want to do? Do we have our armor on still? Yeah, I think uh, you're not sure what these collars do, but they're making um, they seem to make the the ruling class here, the daemons, comfortable enough with you having your gear. Okay. Oh, and if Tulia hears or sees any of you try to escape, she would quickly say, don't. Um, as well. Not going anywhere. I'm in it to win it. <laughs> Taking this tournament down. Awesome. So I guess by by gear, we the rest of us have all of our normal stuff. Yep, you have all of your belongings. Awesome. We don't have to go starving games on the whole thing. Not for whatever round is tomorrow. You think? Uh, and so before bed, you're actually ushered out of your room and you head down it, instead of instead of the normal kind of also collared servants it's more high ranking lesser daemons escorting you as you descend about five floors you reach a long dark hallway and you see and hear coming from the other side, a, both a light and a raucous crowd. Right before walking in, Julia would look at everybody, assuming we walk in and say, now don't forget, smile, wave, play the crowd. Have the game's already begun? It's a bit more like an introduction. Then let's introduce ourselves. And so you enter this vast arena, so vast that the edges of it almost seem to warp like heat on a pavement. You can't really tell where it ends, but you see this endless crowd of daemons cheering. And you see other groups of humanoids as well other teams of four already in the ring as the crowd kind of reaches a crescendo you hear amplified above it all the voice of Lopscop this year's tournament chair may I have everybody's attention because I'm going to need everybody's attention tonight for the opening ceremony of Lopscop the Bemuse Tournament. The Tournament of Tales. Because we're going to be telling several tales with this tournament. Yes, we've gathered all of the most prominent daemons in awaiting consumption. And we've gathered their greatest servants into teams. Yes, that's right. You heard me correctly. All the mortals you see on the field... Do you notice how they're grouped into groups of four? This year we're doing teams. Isn't that exciting? And the crowd kind of cheers. 
Four times the death, four times the amusement. They call me the Bemuse for a reason. We're going to have four times as much fun as we had last year. Now, this tournament... Well, I'm running it so you know the rules have changed. Not only do we have the groups of four, but everything has been randomized. (laughs) You know that I love... To be amused. They call me the bemused, after all. We have over 50,000 modes of combat and other spectacles that these performers and athletes and gladiators will be performing for all of you. And in the end, the most important thing is that we are amused by whatever they do. You see, whether it be defeating a foe, or regaling us with a tail, or even using some of our latest contraptions to wage war on each other. The moral of the story is that we want to have fun. We want to be entertained. The daemons of awaiting consumption wait a year for this kind of amusement. Yes, there are lesser tournaments, but they are not run by Lobscop the Bemused. There will be a voting system involved. All you daemons will have a vote. Everybody in the crowd will. And it will determine the fate of our gladiators. Usually death will be the suboptimal outcome, but one group will be spared. And they will be spared by everybody. All of us here. For they will receive their seals of protection to walk among us the daemons as well not equals obviously but uh, as free mortals and so raise a glass to these heroic champions I see my group down there they look strong and it's going to take a lot for any of you other um lesser lords to bring something to the table that can challenge me this year. Tulia starts blowing kisses into the crowd and clapping. And you see like they they eat that shit up. The crowd is just like anything that anybody's doing pageantry, pageantry wise they're just eating it up. Uh, Eberta is going to hold hands with Matumbe and raise him uh, above his head. Matumbe's <laughs> hand rises like six inches <laughs> to his waist. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He, he wouldn't do that, but. <laughs> what Hebert will actually do is uh, just pull out his swords and fi- find the correct angle to where the. Uh, the reflection shines into the crowd and hold it out parallel to uh, to the ground and then uh, just bounce the light into and out of the crowd. Are you disco balling right now? Well, he can swing with fast blades. enough. <laughs> disco balling with blades. Wonderful. Oh boy. Um, and 
the you know the crowd is kind of observing each of the groups and these displays are definitely getting a reaction as the crowd kind of dies down Lopsop speaks up again as you know only the worthy can fight one another so we need to weed out some of these teams we're going to need to weed them out we can't have unentertaining combat can we And so if any of these groups are unentertaining, well, what I have for you tomorrow will be very entertaining. We have brought creatures from across the plains into the ring. And every group here will have to face off against one of them. Now these mortals... (laughs) Well, the creatures will be quite the match for them. And so I need a representative from each of our teams to step up to the wheel. And from the ground rises this immense wheel, kind of like a Wheel of Fortune-style wheel, uh, but with different imagery painted on it and uh, writing in abyssal. So a a chore wheel. (laughs) (laughs) So who do you send up? Uh, Tulia would volunteer if no one else looks interested. She would, I guess, turn to the group and say, I've been waiting for this tournament. I'm ready to go. By all means. You, you're certainly uh, know the most about the uh, combat and the setting. So, of, of course. So, Tulia, you get to the wheel and you spin it and it just and it slows and um, I had you roll a d12 before we started recording what did you get? I I rolled a 5 and so the wheel and then the slice that it's landed on lights up glows and starts to burn and on it, you see written in abyssal. Do you read abyssal? Yes, I do. You see written terror from the first world. Ooh. Oh my goodness, the fae. Make me a perception check in all of the chaos. Okay. Ooh, I haven't rolled perception. I don't think you've rolled anything as this character. It's fine. Ooh, not a great roll to start out with. I got a five on the die, so 16 perception. Uh, with the 16, uh, and given that you can read Abyssal, mm-hmm. uh, you don't necessarily need to be making out what each of these pictures are, but you can see, like, some of the other options, and some of the other options are things like an actual dragon, like some sort of aberration, like... They're, they're hinting at, like, all these different types of creatures. It's like a menagerie of monsters. And you landed on Terror from the First World. Uh, I will say, Matumbe also reads Abyssal and sees an actual dragon and, like, wipes sweat <laughs> off his brow. <laughs> um, and you see several groups go up there, and you definitely see, like, that happens. Like, they get, a group gets dragon. And like all their faces just yep, drop. Their faces like, drop. Um, but 
it, it looks like nobody else gets the terror from the first world. So you're the only group that has that specific task. Also looking around you, there are over 50 groups competing. So uh, it, it looks like this might be a relatively extensive tournament, but as Tulia described and as Lobstop said, you know, it's, it's kind of vague how this tournament is going to go. You're not... Tulia has never seen a tournament like this, um, like this exactly. It looks like they're planning on killing off <laughs> a decent amount of people just through this first thing. As the ceremony kind of winds to a close, you're all escorted back to your cell, as are the other groups. And actually, Lobscop, about an hour, an hour and a half later, because he's got things to be tending to, makes a personal visit to the cell. I, I saw what you got there, and it won't be easy. I, I don't think... I mean, you didn't get dragon, so that's a benefit, I suppose, but... Terror from the first world. The first world menagerie we have downstairs is quite extensive. It could be... It could be anything. Um, and I let the fates decide. So, whatever happens, I can't go easy on you, just like I can't go easy on the rest of the teams. I do have an extensive supply from the many heroes I've had compete in these tournaments and fail. Goods, things that might help you if you need them. Freya perks up at that. She is kind of slumped a little bit, still not, still displaying a few symptoms of her disease, but she'll stand up straight and walk forward. I'm looking for a new weapon. I think showcasing something new or unique could really get the crowd going. Mm, something with a little flair. What were you, uh... Well, what, what's wrong with your current weapon? What, what, what are you good at? She takes out her longbow and, like, attempts to kind of, like, she tries to load an arrow, and it's just really uh, awkward. She's not great at, like, trying to aim it. You look like you're having trouble lining it up. <laughs> That's something that, uh, you call yourself an archer? That's strange. I, I wouldn't expect you not to be able to line the arrow up in the bow. Um, but you want to be at a range. That's my best skill. I'm having a little trouble with this bow. So if I could find something with a little more flair with range, I think I could do it justice. And he ponders for a second, and then it's like a light bulb goes off. Hmm, Tulia, do you remember do you remember last year my my uh, combatant last year we had uh, we had that fine gentleman uh, where did he say he was from where did what was that? Uh, 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 Alkenstar, Alkenstar, do you remember that? Um he had that uh it's like the only thing that was good about him. Remember watching him? He had the he had the fucking um, what was it called? It was like a. Was that a pistol? Yes, yes, it was a, a pistol. Even us demons haven't even really seen these things. It was crazy. Um, it made a huge noise, but he he could um, he could fire it at his enemies from a range. Uh, I don't know how 
easy it was to use, it, it might have been... Well, he, he said where he was from, people used them. People, uh, people were trained to use them, but... I mean, he died in, like, the second round last year, so uh, we have a lot of his supplies. You could certainly try and utilize that. If um, if I were to have my servants bring it to you, um, you could maybe practice with it a little bit and see if it, if it suits your fancy. I think it's worth a shot. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> That's the kind of thing we need in the ring. Everybody take note. And he... Uh, he looks around at the rest of you. Anything else? Any, you know, I, I can't completely re-outfit you, but then again, we did kind of um, pull you up in a net with all of your equipment still attached, so um, I imagine most of you are best with the things that you have. Yes, I imagine your crowd has not seen many Inquisitors of Phorasma show their stuff in the ring. I think I have everything I need. I mean, I wouldn't say you're as rare as the dude with the pistol, but um, <laughs> but yes, I mean, it's not the most common thing in the world, let alone uh, something us daemons can often come across in our mortal servants. Did you say that uh, there were items available? I, I mean... I have, a yes, a decent store of things that... The dead have left, and I have no use for because, you know, I'm I'm me. Um, give me a loot, give me something like that, and I'm I'm more than capable. I don't really need these mortal um, tools. Uh, anything that would uh, make me faster would uh, certainly be of benefit. Well, I, I don't know that we have things that just make you faster. Uh, that seems like <laughs> that seems like something that would be um, quite rare. But you know, if you need things of different materials, different weapons, we specifically like what do we know? What type of weapons we should be using against fey creatures? You right. Roll me a knowledge of nature. I will do that. I can do that too. Ah, I also. I have a plus a 12. I've got a plus 15. But I'm relevant. Yeah, go ahead and roll. There's a very oh. good chance you could do your own. Yeah. Yeah. Frey is going to try to aid Matumbe. Okay. She does not aid. Oof. All right. I got a 30. Mm-hmm. I only got a 20. I rolled low. You know that if the first world means Fey, most Fey have an allergy to cold iron. Mm hmm. Any, so, any weapons you have with cold iron in the blades, or maybe cold iron shot for this one over here, points to Freya, may be particularly effective. Cold iron. Uh, we have, we certainly have um, mundane weapons that are cold iron. Um, I don't I don't believe we have many magical items that are cold iron, but I, I could check. Um I think that I think that guy from Alkenstar had plenty of shot and a bunch of different um bunch of different materials although I don't I wouldn't know how uh things like bullets work or how he how he did anything with that so um I'm not sure there but unfortunately I don't think I could outright replace any of your items with something that is cold iron it would be you know something 
you might feel a little more unwieldy with, and so if that's worth it to you, I can certainly go get it, but, um, or at least see what we have. Lopsop, do you got any, uh, cold iron bow, or arrows? Cold iron arrows we should have, yes. We'll certainly have some of those. I should be good with everything else, though. You know I make it all myself, so don't have to worry. Yeah, but you were never one for, like, weapons and that kind of thing. Well, that's what the the arrows are for. Well, yes, Tuli, I know, but, you know, just saying, you make all these wondrous items and none of the magical weapons or anything. We could have a whole armory if you would just learn that. Well... We could outfine your fine teammates if you would just learn, uh, I don't know, craft magic arms and armor. Whatever, it's fine. Not as interesting. No, it's totally fine. It's it's okay. Uh, we're, so we're going to have to work with what we have, which is what dead people dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be blunt. I don't know if there's any spirits in any of this gear. All right? We're just going to have to find out. Could be interesting. <laughs> it's, it's totally a trope that's not overdone, from what I've heard. Hmm. <laughs> I think I'd rather have... I'm going to uh, roll a uh, knowledge metagame. <laughs> sharp. I, I think I'd rather have sharp arrows rather than blunt arrows. Okay. Um, I think he, he would say, like, he can get you, like, the alchemical stuff if you can apply it that would coat your weapon in, like, cold iron, but I think that kind of stuff only lasts, like, one hit with a melee weapon. But it, it could be something. It could be something worth doing, and you guys know that there are... Fay, yeah, so. yeah. I, I, I think we at least like dust it, dust our weapons for at least the first shot. So Freya, one of the servants comes back with uh, kind of like a quiver filled with arrows and some opaque potion bottles that you imagine are probably the chemical cold iron. And then she has this dark wood case, and it's it's about a foot and a half long and maybe eight inches deep. And anyone can make me a knowledge local or geography. Yes. Oh yeah. Either or. Yeah. I'll make a... Geography. 24. 20, and then my local. Worse. I just. 24 local. 24 local? Uh, 34 local. You would need something like that because this is a rare insignia. But it's the insignia for the Grand Duchy of Alkenstar, the insignia of their city. And <laughs> Matumbe knows that this is in Nex mm-hmm. near the Mana Wastes. And it's an area where the only area, at least widely known, that gunpowder is produced. Kind of takes a look at the insignia. This is no common firearm. This firearm comes from nobility. I wish I knew more about the person who left it here, but I think it's going to the right hands. Freya, you open the case and you see on a yellow velvet pillow 
this equally brilliant, gnarled, yellow-handled firearm with gunmetal barrels. So, like, I know the color is gunmetal. It's a very deep silver, very deep, like, grayish silver. And you also notice these black carvings on the handle. It's like a skeleton in the handle, but it's got three arms. Does that have any significance to her with any sort of knowledge check to recognize it? You can make a knowledge religion or a knowledge planes. If it's a three-arm skeleton, please, and it's a flintlock pistol, please tell me one of the arms is the hammer that comes down and smashes the gunpowder and blows it up. (laughs) That sounds great. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bummer. Only a nine. And I look over your shoulder at your knowledge and knowledge planes it? Yeah, I mean, Freya's really short, so probably. Oh, definitely. I'm super tall. Thirty. Thirty-four. Damn it. You can try. I tried. <laughs> Which one was that in? Planes. Planes. Both planes? Yeah. I could roll the other one if it matters. But yeah. What was the other one then? Religion. Religion. Okay. Twenty-four. So Matumi is going to blow me out of the water, I'm sure. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think that's going to be a 31. Not blown out of the water, but it's up there a little bit. You know that if this is a deific symbol, it's not something widely worshipped on Galarian. You've never heard of it. Hmm. Um, With your planes, something about this seems otherworldly. You're not sure what? In fact, you didn't roll high enough for me to tell you what. But something about this seems like it's like, I guess you would say, incomprehensible. And maybe it's the rest of the symbols you see. These like swirling, meandering symbols. You can't tell if they're a language or if they're decoration, but it's something you've never seen before. I'll put that away in my mind if I ever see something like it again, but Tomb just kind of, huh, go figure. That knowledge goes way over Freya's head, but she can still understand the gravity and the grandeur of this uh, rare weapon. She takes a deep breath closes her eyes and centers herself before she reaches over to pick up the pistol and it just seems to fit in her hand and that missing piece, that connection that she was looking for before is here she doesn't exactly know perfectly she needs to practice perfectly how to use the gun but it feels right in her hand and she can feel the power that she's been given. She can channel it through this pistol as her holy symbol. This pistol 
in, instead of having her Rastal insignia, it's now a gun. And with the gun, you receive um, various alchemical cartridges, only three of which are cold iron, Ooh. unfortunately. Save those. But there are um, there are five silver ones, five plus one rounds, and ten flaming rounds. That dragon's breath. And so, with your new gear, and with at least an idea of what awaits you tomorrow, you go to bed. And it's the second night in a row where Freya dreams. I need something creepy. Freya, you find yourself in a forest. Something comforting about it, you being a former follower of Erastal. But when you look into the sky, you can see far more stars than you normally see. And they're in different spots in the sky. The moon hangs high, but it's blood red. Lighting your path forward. And as you walk, the trees begin to twist and change. And their shadowy forms almost seem to writhe and move sway and slither and in the clearing you can see an altar and light this red light shines down and you see a bundled figure a bundled shape lying on the altar and a hooded figure standing behind it. The tattered robes that cover this person, bright yellow. And you feel a weight in your hand. It feels perfectly balanced. You feel the cold hammer of the pistol, the action greased and smooth. Then you hear a sound. It's a crying of an infant. And as the crying grows louder and you approach closer, it becomes deafening and maddening. And then it sounds like buzzing. And you look down at the swaddled shape. And it's a desiccated baby. And it cries up at you and flies come out of its mouth. And the only other thing you hear 
can feel is a bang and recoil. And you wake up sweating in your bed in the chamber. Freya is pretty disoriented after that in an unfamiliar place, quickly looks around and makes sure she is actually in reality now and in a safe place. And that dream haunts her. She's not able to go back to sleep. She sits on her bed for a while and just looks at, looks over the gun that she has and is weighing in her mind the power that it brings her and the power that she's getting from whatever entity is answering her prayers and also the fact that she knows she's going down a road that's going to be very hard to come back from if she ever wants to make it back to Arastal. But this is her one chance of surviving. So she goes over that in her head, trying to, to rationalize using, using this power and hopefully eventually is able to fall back asleep again. Yeah, yeah, it's like... Um... Arastal's teachings would be to use all of the tools that you have at your disposal to survive. But at what cost? It seems like it's going to be a pretty big one, and she doesn't fully understand. And so morning comes, and your group is selected. You go down the same stairs and exit the same hallway to no fanfare. Actually, you find yourselves in a dark woods, eerily similar, for Freya at least, to the dream she just had. And it seems to just go on. It doesn't look like you're in an arena, but the stone shuts behind you merges in on itself and then disappears entirely into more woods I'm not worried at all (laughs) without knowing what you could be facing what's possible here and even if there are boundaries to this arena you venture forward Before we get too far into the arena, as we're still a group, Freya will will huddle everyone together. Before we go further, I have a blessing for our party. And she casts Hunter's Blessing on all of us. And that should be something you can click on to your sheet. And uh, it will be for this, uh, the terrain will be the forest area, and then uh, the creature will be Fae. Okay. Yeah, you guys can cast, um, I'd say any spells that are like a minute per level or longer, you you would have been given warning in your room as you headed down. So if you want to cast that kind of stuff, it's not unreasonable to think that like, you're probably immediately going to face whatever's down here. 
Fantastic. Great. Uh, if that's the case, Lynn, right before going in, uh, I would ask if anyone would want to be enlarged. I do have an extract that makes that happen for me, but it only lasts two minutes. So if it's like cheap for you and can last a lot so longer level than two one minutes. level one spell for nine minutes. Yes. 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 Okay. Uh, I would also ask the same thing regarding enhancement bonuses to decks. It would have to be someone who doesn't already have an enhancement bonus. Because I don't know the party, this would have to be conversation before we walk in. Yep. I already has one. I do not have one. I need decks. Do you not give do, me don't, more decks? How do you not have an enhancement bonus already? Not on decks. You don't, you don't have a belt? Nope. Great. So if you really don't have an enhancement bonus already, that's fantastic. I would I would have cast Cat's Grace on you. You've got nine minutes on that, uh, as well as on myself. Shield and Blur. Um, blur doesn't work here. Blur does not work here. Or no, sorry, I'm thinking Blink. You're good. Yep. I, I know, no, like, dimension dooring out of here and teleporting out of here wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. I, no, 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 I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking of the spell blink, because that specifically calls out that you're going in and out of the material plane, oh, the uh, ethereal plane, oh. and there's no ethereal plane. No, 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 no. So, um, Blur would have been on. Or just gives you the 20% miss yeah. chance or whatever, right? So, uh, as soon as we walk in, like, I would have cast Enlarged Persian Cat's Grace. And then shield on myself. We walk in. I would have cast blur. Freya casts the hunter's blessing, and she also uses her extend meta magic rod to cast ward shield onto her shield. So she now has spell resistance. Woo! That's always good. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get gangly, long arms, and enlarged. Yeah. That's 15 terrifying. foot reach. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Alright. So do we have all of our things? I think so. Yeah. Where is where is Cat's Grace? It's under spells. Yeah. Because it's a spell. So you walk along in this dark forest for a time. I need everybody to make me a perception check. Okay. Oh, God. God. <sighs> Rolled very low, team. 31. I was very excited about my roll. I got a 30. Or a 32 if it's stonework. I got a 35. I rolled a nat 20. There you go. <laughs> it's not worth it. Okay. So what you are. Um, none of you see anything, but you do feel the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Also, okay. I just got to say this. This creature's innate stealth bonus is plus 35. Bullshit, Griffin. It's high. It's high. You feel the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Okay. And I need everybody to make me a will save. 
if it's mind affecting, I'm going to add two put to this. But uh, so just keep it is a fear effect. Well, this does uh, be... spell resistance play any effect? This Ooh. is a supernatural ability. I rolled my diehard Dracona uh, die or die. Natural 20. Nice. That's a 30. 29 for Freya. Okay. Wait, I just did my count wrong. Hang on. Nope, I didn't. So, Emily got tw- uh, 20 higher than I did. Oh, no. So, I mean, I guess it's at least we don't have to wonder if it passed or failed. Okay. Um, I uh, have a plus nine unless it is enchantments, but it's fierce. So plus my 12 in my roll should be 21. Okay. What was yours again for you? 29. Okay. But to me and Freya... You feel the hair stand up on the back of your necks. Air Bear and Tulia, you just feel like you're being watched. Something's stalking you. And you start to see visions at the side of your field of view. Terrifying things. And you're both shaken. But you still don't see anything. I I guess we move deeper into the forest then. Okay, put yourselves where you actually want to be as a group. Let's say we're headed this way. Cool. Um, girls in the back. Uh, for sure. <laughs> Very large, long-armed Matumbe in front. Threatening. <laughs> So you continue on. Please make a perception check. Great. Oh, perception has gotten worse. Twenty-nine. Oh, same. Thirty-three. Forty-four. Oh. Matumbe. It's high roll the end of the field of your vision you see a lanky human looking creature wearing a top hat and a long coat oh and its eyes glow in the moonlight and it flashes a toothy smile at you and then disappears he points the axe at where it just was there she was and uh, I circle up, circle up. Look around you. She just disappeared. Keep your eyes peeled to the tree line. We are being stalked. Did it go invisible or just around the corner? Disappeared from my field of vision, whether that's an invisibility effect or some sort of dimension door, I cannot tell you. Just a bit safe. Freya casts invisibility purge on herself. So now 
45-foot radius. Uh, anything invisible becomes visible while they're in that area. Okay. And Ebert uh, will activate his boots of haste. Okay. You don't see anything up ahead. Even with the invisibility purge, the forest is deep and dark. Well, with his 15-foot reach, uh, Matumbe snakes his arm back to the party and gives a little two fingers, like, come on, let's keep moving. Watch all around you. It could strike from anywhere. You keep moving. And I need one more perception check. When I feel like I needed it, it left me. It's a natural one for 31. God, it also left me, but that means I got a 16. Okay. Uh, my inspiration die saved me. I got six off the inspiration, but. 32? Oh, I uh, got the bottle on the HLP die, so. Oof. Uh, so, in the surprise round. A creature that none of you perceived lets out a radiating aura and you you can't see what it is but I need will saves oh boy this is an enchantment compulsion, emotion, and mind affecting. My best buddy Vance has my back. That's a 26. How about everybody else? 28. 16. A 24 or a 26 if this is a spell or spell-like ability. Okay. Uh, ecl- sorry, not Eclipse. Tulia is the only one that succeeds. Shit. Um, a twenty-six did not succeed. That's did not. That's uh, worrying. You feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. You feel that your quest to win this tournament is impossible. You all take a minus two penalty on attack rolls, saving throws, ability checks, skill checks, and weapon damage rolls. This is crushing despair. And now, well, I would need everybody to roll for initiative, but this creature with the top hat and the long trench coat and the shining yellow eyes stares the party down and smiles and I need you to finish your drinks because we'll see you next week oh man cool I knew it